So Rob, today we're going to talk about something that starts with the letter B, um, something that not many people like talking about, but as a hint, it's been rumoured that if you say it in the mirror three times, you run out of petrol, and your friend gets sent back to an army barracks after a raid conducted personally by Pretty Patel, <coughs> only to realise it's Nadim Sahawi, who was a person of interest for not having a British surname, nor the right skin colour, but he can certainly drive a lorry on the basis that he fucks off back to his own country by Christmas. <laughs> Um, no, the word is not backwardness. <laughs> it is, in fact, Brexit. The sin of all sins, the triumph of British history when the empire finally recolonized itself. So pretty much a topic that we've sort of avoided for a while, I'd say. We just spoke about it in sort of drips and drabs, haven't we? But yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I worked hard on that intro, Rob. What, what um, intro as well. Yeah. <laughs> So um, basically, yeah, so I mean, on the 23rd of June 2016, so it's been some years now, the UK mm. voted to leave the EU with an extremely slim majority, not really knowing exactly what they voted for. And um, I'd say now more so, m- maybe starting to see the, the price they've paid. Mm. Um, you know, you've got a lot of um, crisis going on at the moment, and the government's typical response is, oh, it's the pandemic um but you know the pandemic was a perfect opportunity for them to sling money to their mates and um make us all pay the price basically breaking Mm. manifesto pledges if you remember in their manifesto when they said won't increase tax now they're saying that because of the pandemic they need to increase tax but if they didn't give so much money to their friends they probably wouldn't need to increase tax so much um Mm. so (laughs) vicious cycle isn't it you got the fuel problem going on um so this is very current issues that and you're hearing a sort of a, a very, a sort of a weird response, aren't you? Because I mean, there is definitely a mix of factors. May you know, partly maybe it is the pandemic, partly it is maybe drivers retiring and things like that. But ultimately, <clears throat> the stance is that immigrants are not going to come here, and immigrants are not going to do the jobs that us good old British people should do. Um, and it's just a it's a very bizarre situation to be in. And I think the media are definitely drumming up very obvious support for the Tories, aren't they? And it's it's very clear that they're going along with this this anti-immigration stance and this sort of closed-off hermit Britain, isn't it? Mm, um, yeah. So we're basically, I mean, in, in short, we are basically becoming the new North Korea, um, just that we still we still <laughs> do let our, our people go to other places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely feels, um, I was thinking about, North Korea the other day and thinking, you know, in some ways that there, there are, there are some strange parallels there, aren't there? Um, particularly in, in, in terms of, um, uh, you know, the sort of pro- propaganda that we, we see in the media and things like that. And um, yeah, it's, it's weird, but um, we're not quite there yet. I think um, we may see a, a little, little more, um, uh, sort of a bit, bit more of a breakdown in law and order than you'd ordinarily see in, in North Korea in the near future as well, because really what we're seeing at the moment, uh, just really the, the the prelude to, I would think, you know, much greater disruptions. Um, <clears throat> and it's not all 
to be fair it isn't all brexit is it you can't it's it's in it's very hard to separate out the effects of um the pandemic and the effect that's had on global supply chains and i mean i was reading some stuff about global supply chains there's there's problems with you know lack of shipping containers all kinds of things that are happening at the moment so global supply chains are under stress um and that's one one aspect of it but there's no doubt that Brexit has massively hit our trade, and particularly our trade with the um, EU. Trade with the rest of the world has increased slightly, but not enough to compensate. So we're seeing a you know big drop off in UK exports as a result, direct result of of Brexit. Um, and it, on the subject, there just very quickly to say it's it's interesting as well because they keep talking about all these um, these was it these ready meal deals. Um, oven ready deals or whatever and yeah. the thing that you find is that our biggest trading partner was literally i mean they were so close to us that you could you could stand on a certain part of um this country and you could look over it and see the other country we traded with mm. and now we, we're trying to get deals with who like we're trying to team up with obviously america rejected us didn't they biden was like not interested mm. boris um, who also in in that defensive pact that they announced, just on a sort of a side note, in that defensive pact they announced, uh, Biden forgot the name of Scott Morrison, or yeah. the Australian PM. He was like, and that that guy from Down Under. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and obviously that was the that was the big hit, wasn't it? It was everyone was saying, you know, America's our closest ally. We're going to mm. go there, and they're going to say, hey, you've got a deal. But mm. even. Obama, when he came to this country, made it very clear that the UK were at the back of the queue. And mm. Boris was still drumming up this whole, well, you know, uh, uh, that's not even Boris's accent. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, Boris was still saying that, oh, yeah, you know, we're definitely going to get this deal with America 100%, biggest ally, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And that's not the case, is it? So, you know, our, our trade might have gone up with the rest of the world, but it's also massively inconvenient to get this trade from anywhere else. Yeah. And on top of that, considering we're meant to be the, you know, the leaders in climate change, I don't know if you mm. saw his horrific speech where he said about Kermit the Frog. Did you, did uh, you see that? What was that again? I did. I remember there was some mention of that. What, what was the he basically? Um, well, he basically stood up and as a, a reference, he used like a child's TV show to talk about one of the, <laughs> biggest issues to face humanity since god knows when um and he said uh, you know uh, in uh, the muppets uh, kermit said it's it's not easy being green and i'm here to tell you that it is <laughs> and you just think to yourself this fucking babbling buffoon yeah is the one that's meant to be leading us out of this whole oh well you vote brexit i'm going to make the country better and you think you can't even it, it's just it's a bizarre turn of events. And I think the mm. key thing is, is that what people don't realize is when you talk about climate change and then you're doing trade deals with people that are halfway around the world, mm. um, that requires probably more footprint than it would just going across the pond. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's that's the whole madness, isn't it, of these these ideas <clears throat> that Brexiteers have. You, you can see there's, there's certain pervasive ideas that drove the move towards Brexit in the first place. Uh, one of them was definitely this idea of, well, either recapturing the empire or the Commonwealth, as it were, um, and, and making that once again, uh, you know, building it back up to be something a bit like the empire. So those those kind of romantic ideals of empire, they've never gone away for certain, certain people. Um, mm. And uh, that was one aspect of it. 
and then and then you've got the Anglosphere as well, and this is partly what's um, behind the um, the deal with with uh, uh, ourselves, the US, and Australia, um, because what's also been touted uh, recently as well has been uh, something called Kanzuk, which is uh, Canada. UK and New Zealand uh, and Australia, I think, as, again, as a sort of Anglosphere kind of trading uh, partnership. Um, and, and, you know, but these these countries are all very remote from each other. Um, in terms of trading of physical goods, yeah, there's that, that immediate problem is, well, A, a the distance um, that the, the goods have got to travel and how that's therefore going to impact on uh, climate change uh, when we're trying to minimise that. Um yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy, but the, the, you know the idea that it, it's sort of driven by this two things really. There's the xenophobia, which is you know the idea that you know although we are a European nation, you know we, we haven't left Europe. Britain is still you know uh, our island is still part of Europe. Okay, there's a, there's a sea in between, but we're still part of Europe. We are a European nation, um, but there's this idea that we're exceptional and we're not we're not like them they're all foreigners you know and they all speak other you know nasty languages that we don't like um and we want to we don't understand yeah we don't understand (laughs) and we're not prepared to learn uh and instead we want to make these um stronger ties with with the anglosphere people who speak our language um uh, but it's not it's not a rational thing is it it's very emotional and i think that's this that's the thing though isn't it when you look at when you look at the appeal of of right-wing politics um, especially when you see, like we saw in 2019, all these areas were traditionally um, Labour voting areas of the country um, voting for a Tory government, particularly this type, type of Tory government. They've captured them not 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 with uh, not by the persuasion of their argument, um, because you'll probably get as many answers about why they voted. Uh, I, I remember seeing actually, because there's a bit of di- digression here, but I remember seeing. It's an interview where I had to just shake my head where they were talking about reasons why they decided to uh, vote for the Tories and it, and it came came along along the lines of uh, we've had we've had enough of labor well they were, they were talking about the local government obviously um, but uh, you know they were voting in a national election so they were saying they've had enough of labor but labor weren't in power hadn't been in power in Westminster for many, many years. So it's just just a sort of bizarre kind of mindset, isn't it? But it's because they, it's because of this emotional appeal when they, you know, they do it knowingly, they know what they're, what they're saying. um, And and they don't want to argue on the basis of the facts or try to win an argument on the basis of, of the facts or the data. They want to win an argument on, on, an, on an emotional sort of gut level. And this idea of, of evoking empire for people of a certain generation, you know, who, who sort of swell with pride when they think about, about Great Britain and all that, you know, um, it, it hits them on that level. And that's, mm. I think, a lot of what it, it was about when people went to the polls and voted for Brexit. Sort of like um, this um, this facade, wasn't it? Of well, actually, um, my my actual problem is that I think immigrants are taking over the country. But what I'm going to say is that um, Labour are massive letdown, and they <laughs> they can't they can't deliver anything. And I don't even know what the Tories have been doing other than than tearing up my my existence for the last ten years. Mm. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's even it, like like you know when um, it, during the debates, you know Corbyn actually produced this document to prove, it effectively proved, that the Tories did have a plan to dismantle the NHS. He held it up. 
he held it up, he showed it, and it, it was published then as well um, by Labour. Uh, the press um, published details of it. Mm. And even when they're presented with such facts, mm. they still went ahead and voted. I mean, none of those people want to lose the NHS. Of course they don't. Nobody does. I mean, what, what, it's going to be an awful, awful thing if that happens. You know, uh, terrible uh, for, well, majority of people in this country. There are a few people who can afford uh, private health care or to pay for private health insurance um but for most people it's going to be it's going to be a you know a, a, like a big be a big impact on, on their lives yeah big big impacts huge impact on your lives if, if you become ill you know it's it's going to mean real real hardship if that happens um but yeah even presented with with that uh, information that the tories were fully intent on on um dismantling the nhs opening it up to private health care um uh, businesses um they still went with this this emotional pull you know this idea that um you, you know that the brexit represents some kind of uh, great emancipation for our country and and, and you know return to our, our great british values and and, if, and it's very hard to um argue with that kind of uh, with that kind of um sentiment isn't it you know it's it's not rational no and i, I think this is the thing as well is that when when you look at history um obviously i mean i think back to school i mean your probably history lessons weren't too dissimilar in the sense that you always get told like britain is this fantastic great powerhouse this this empire um and you know it's, it's sort of drummed up as if to be really cool like my you know minus the slave slaving of people um it, you know we were really cool we went and took what we wanted and stuff like that. and i feel like this is the approach that we've had to brexit the entire time where it's mm. like well we're britain and this is what we want and you must then yield to what we want. But, you know, the European Union was saying no. You know, mm. that's that's not how it works. You know, if you, I mean, obviously the, the simplest explanation is if you want to you wanna join the golf club, you've got to pay the membership fee. And if mm. you don't pay the membership fee, you, you can't tee off. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. um, yeah, it's this, it's this bizarre approach where it's this very hard line Brexit approach. And I think the government that you've now got in, definitely uh, are are sort of grabbing that by the throat aren't they they are absolutely hard brexit like boris johnson obviously breaking news apparently breaking news is that boris johnson said he will not allow immigration to make up for the deficit of lorry drivers so <laughs> it's it but then they've turned around and said here's you know here what was it five thousand visas here's five thousand mm, visas yeah. and can you all fuck off by christmas so that was part of like the joke in the intro <laughs> yeah is that yeah. is that you've basically got you're, you're trying to apparently say to someone well come over here um for a few months you, you know you'll be working your absolute fucking ass off because um we're fucked um and when you get here we're going to pay you a few thousand pound more for a hell of a lot more stress than you'd have in europe where you just sort of drive around all willy-nilly yeah. um and then we're going to tell you to leave you know, and it's it's this sort of idea of of sort of using immigration as a tube of toothpaste, isn't it? Um, yeah, and it's, it, and it's complete. It's, it's classic vote leave logic, isn't it? This is the vote leave yeah. government we've got here. Uh, Johnson, right at the heart of it, and it's it's classic classic vote leave uh, nonsense we've got here. Um, again, um, the whole the whole point. Um, uh, of of what they're doing is purely about saving Christmas, same as last year, saving Christmas. Um, so 
fuck, fuck the fact that cases are going to go through the roof last year and, and we had a <laughs> huge second wave, didn't we, of COVID. Yeah. No, no, we've got to save Christmas. Had to eventually U-turn. And the same same thing we see here. The, the only thing that's spurring him, I think, in fact, 10 days ago, there was a report saying that he had he had a very, very limited amount of time to get the things in place if he wanted to save Christmas. And that for him was like, that, that was like the, the alarm triggering there because all he thinks about and all this government thinks about is just in these 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 very kind of emotive terms, the the, the idea of Chris, you know, all, all the things that go along with Christmas, you know, and how that will knock their image if 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 we don't have a great Christmas this year. Not about okay, what okay, the actual okay, hardships that. are on the ground or you know um, the the problems business are having. Johnson, of course, famously said, "Fuck business." That was his words. Fuck business. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't give a shit. You know, or but he but when it comes to something like Christmas, oh no, we've got to save Christmas. Uh, it's illogical anyway, because how, how do you <laughs> save Christmas if businesses start going to the wall and things like that? It, it's it's nonsense. 100%. But that's just how they think. Um, uh, it's sort of it's this it's this constant thing, isn't it, of clinging on to these emotive issues? It's the same as what you're noticing with with um, Labour leader Keir Starmer, aren't you? This whole new I don't know if you noticed, and I don't want to sound too communist here, but I I did notice a tinge of blue has come up mm. in sort of um, Labour's sort of. Um, political propaganda and i don't really like mm. the fact that there's this red and blue mix because it's almost as if they're saying yeah we're a bit both now um but obviously he was heckled at his own thing but he literally obviously hangs on to emotive issues so when there's a policing issue he stands up and he says i work for the cps and um, it's like i don't give a fuck mm. and then he you know if there's you know something like a food shortage he put a post up uh, and i know that that's that's political gain and political points and stuff like that. And I get it. It's a big chessboard and you mm. move around and you knock a few Kings and stuff like that. But the thing is, is that he just, there's a difference between being passionate and I think, and then just clinging on to what, what issues arise. Cause you notice that when there's huge fuck ups in the government, that is a point where you'd, you'd go for the jugular, wouldn't you? That's mm. it. You'd be like, right, that's it. You're coming down with me. But he doesn't, does he? But he just sort of sits and does this whole thing of let let's talk about it, and it's like no, yeah. let's not talk about it. Let let's let's resolve it. Let's see see how you want to resolve it. Obviously, it it's just labour. Even in this circumstance, I think the only way that they realise that they can actually physically win or have any opportunity to win is by becoming Tory light, because mm. you're in Brexit Britain now. It's like Brexit Britain, baby, and uh, you know you've got a you've got to vote for you've got to get people to vote for you who who hate immigrants and who mm. think that um you know they're going to be able to protect their nhs when the cost of everything else is going to go up and mm. you know you've got all these sort of crises and and this is the points where you think he would be really on the offensive wouldn't it but he's he's not mm. he's sort of um almost sort of in a in a sense defends it and i think this is what the issue of brexit is becoming is that we were a progressive nation and we were a multicultural nation, and we still are a multicultural mm -hmm. nation, but there is this divide being created between the, I don't know what you'd call it, like the purebred Brits and the people that have come here for a better life and worked just as hard, if not harder, than some of us. And it's it's this yeah. whole thing as well of entitlement, isn't it? It's this entitlement where, you know, you would never tell your child, and obviously this is absolutely in no way to cause any offence, but you'd never tell your child in this country to to aspire to be a cleaner or to aspire yeah. to fruit pick or things like that. And because yeah. you don't tell, and, and because you can't teach your children about what honest work is and it's all about material, it's all about image, you get to this situation where um 
Brits don't want to fill these jobs. And if they don't want to fill these jobs, then then what's the options? Well, you can either get immigrants to come in and do it for cheap, um, or well, I say for cheap. I mean, it shouldn't be for cheap, but you know, obviously, what they get paid here, I suppose, then can sometimes, in certain circumstances, be a lot more than they would in yeah. their home country. Um, or you can increase the wages to get Brits to do it. But if you increase the wages to get Brits to do it, what else happens then? It means you inc- increase the cost of production. You increase mm. the cost of manufacturing, which therefore means that cost then goes to the retailer. The retailer then has to then increase their cost to make a better profit. Um, so, you know, it's this vicious cycle. And I don't, I think a lot of people overlook that maybe, maybe this is the start of issues. You know, maybe... Maybe Rob would be completely wrong. Maybe we're sat here and we're just we're just whingy little Brexit, um, you know, like Remainers, Ramonas, and um, you know maybe it will go right and you know we'll all be running around in our fucking British flag capes and things like that. Um, but I think realistically, I think this is the start of something really bad. And I think you know if Brexit was already going to have its issues, slapping a pandemic on top of that, I mean it's like a rock in a hard place, isn't it? It's mm. how are you going to get out of that? And, it, you know, there's there's been no sort of genuine policies, has there? There's been no genuine resolutions. It's sort of like um, this constant droning on of, you know, like, you know, you, you talk a lot about Ramonas, for example, but then you've got Brexiteers who constantly fucking defend bullshit, basically. Like, it is to sum it up, it's just bullshit. You know, they sit there and they defend, you know, well, I'm glad Boris has said, let's give the lorry driving jobs to British workers. Yeah, but then next thing you're going to do, you're going to moan that there's no food on the shelf. Or you're going to moan that you can't top up your car. And then when you do that, you say, well, I think it's a good idea we've given out those visas. No, because if your argument is that we should stick to British workers, you can't then just say, oh, immigrants can come here when it when it suits us. If that if that's your stance, then, you know, and it's it's just an absolute pile of shit. And I think obviously this is something that it will affect us long term. And there's, there's a hell of a lot of points, I think, to go over on this issue other than just immigration and things like that. But I think one of the things that I sort of wanted to mention is, is the whole, the campaign in itself, wasn't it, was, was interesting because the campaign was basically just absolute lie after lie after lie, which sucked the British public into this very bizarre mindset. You know, I think. Yeah, well, you're talking about the, the referendum campaign here, yeah. Yeah, the referendum campaign. So, you know, when you had, um, you know, Boris go around with his bus. I think it was something like how many, how much, how many million a week or whatever it was for the NHS. Um, yeah. And yet they've turned around recently, didn't they? And they said that they increased their their investment into. I think it was like something like an extra few billion, wasn't it, to the NHS? But what happened to that multi million pound a week that we we're putting into it? Yeah. What happened was, to that? It was just a straight <laughs> lie, wasn't it? It was just yeah. a straight up lie. Yeah. No. I mean that that, that was. That was the thing, and and um, what what's what's frustrating is when you don't hear, um, it, you know, mainstream journalists calling this shit out, you know, week after week, um, when they could do it. it's an open goal. I mean, all of this this stuff was was bullshit. Um, mm. Yeah, I wanted to actually bring in something a quick mention here of something that um, <laughs> I saw the other week. I don't know if you remember. I mean, you were saying about the fact that there's there's no there's no policies coming forward here, um, you know, to to you know in, in relation to Brexit and it's just sort of rolling clusterfuck. I mean, they they did. Um, <clears throat> people might remember this um, a couple of months ago. They advertised for a uh, a, a sort of, a, a new post. Um, it, not not. Um, I don't know which department this was even for, but it was for it was kind of like a Brexit opportunity czar they were looking for. So someone who who would who would look for opportunities in Brexit 
um, on behalf of the government and, and create, obviously, sort of and they found documents none. and proposals. And so, <laughs> well, I assume that they have filled the post and we haven't heard anything about who this person is. Um, I'm guessing they're not going to be like, a, they're not going to have a really a public profile, they're, but they're going to have a, a, a role in which will obviously I think it's, be... Um, I, sorry, I was going to say, I think it was filled by Liz Truss's uh, nephew. Was it really? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that's the level of, of uh, cronyism uh, that we're expecting anyway. I mean, I, I actually was inclined to believe that. But, yeah, I don't know who it is. I mean, I haven't looked into it whether they've even announced the person. But they did um, earlier this, uh, well, middle of last month it was now, um, they did announce, if you remember this, they announced that um, they will be um, bringing back imperial measurements um so now that uh you know in post-brexit britain if people want to they can they can uh, sell things in in traditional <clears throat> imperial measurements pints and pounds and all the rest of it um now this i would imagine yeah. was probably the first brexit opportunity that's been brought forward by this new person they brought in um apparently this How is, is that an opportunity <laughs> This is a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to bring in a, bring in a, a measurement system. I think used. I think it's used in America. It's not quite the same, but they use it in America. But it's not used anywhere else in the world. But apparently, this is a great Brexit opportunity. So you you can you can produce your your products that you want to export, and you can you can create that in a measurement in in pounds and ounces, if you like. And no fucker anywhere else in the world is going to know what the what the hell that is. Well, actually, it will be know. all the. The old Tory voters, weren't they? They'd be like, I'm so glad I can buy my potatoes in pounds again. Yeah. And it, like, yeah. I don't know what a pound, a pound I mean, of potatoes. Is, this is the level. This is the banal level that they're at in terms of actually trying to find Brexit opportunities. Clearly, this was, this was, I say clearly, I don't know. I'm, I'm putting two and two together here and saying this was probably the first fruit of um, the Brexit opportunities are, uh, but that being the case, it's so pathetic, isn't it? Really, that that that's that's the best we can come up with is now we're not in EU anymore, so we can we can start selling things in in. How um, much does this guy know, get paid? Uh, uh, <laughs> Imperial, I, I believe it was a, a six-figure salary that was. That was you imagine um, he sits there in a room with sort of maybe like a think tank of people, and he's you know he's got he's got a whiteboard, and in this sort of bubble on the whiteboard, he's just got written in there. Um, what opportunities do we have after Brexit? And they're all sat there sort of tapping their, their hands on the table and sort of sat there for hours on end, not really coming up with anything. And they say, imperial measurements. And he's like, fucking great idea. Yeah. Put that on the board. <laughs> and that's all they've had on the board all month. It's been on the board for so long, they can't even rub it off. It just yeah, sort of like yeah. imprinted in there forever. That's yeah, just, it's probably, just, probably weeks of coming in and out of the office and waiting to put some other bullet points on it. Like, okay, look, we've got nothing. We're just going to have to go with the imperial measurements. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Boris is like, fucking brilliant, brilliant work. It, it's just, <laughs> and this is the thing, isn't it? What are the opportunities? Well, you know, like one of the big things was people are now sort of suddenly shocked that there's obviously uh, this is part of the pandemic, but I think it's partly, uh, it's good the pandemic came along when it did. Um, obviously it was a terrible event but well still an ongoing terrible event but mm. I think it was good when it came along as it did because it sort of gave people a bit of a taste of their own medicine so mm. people basically voted in this country to stop freedom of movement they said let's make it harder for people to come here and they they themselves after that shortly found it was very hard for them to go anywhere you know yeah. even to the shops um, and I think it was quite good that, that people sort of saw this and there's this frustration where you get people come in and they go oh I really want to go on holiday. 
well, I'm sorry, Susan, but you know, you can't, you can't get fast tracked anymore. You go to the mm. airport. I mean, obviously COVID tests aside and things like that, you know, you can't go into the fast track line because you're not part of the EU and you need a visa and you, need mm. the, and you don't get your European health card and things like that. And mm. it, it's a definite taste of their own medicine. And I think, you know, like it, it's one of these things where, you know, call me sort of sinister, but I almost sort of say bring on the next crisis because to me it's sort of in a sense where I've got this sort of hard look now where it's like, well, I sort of paid attention to what I was voting for hmm. and you can sort of almost foresee, can't you? Just, just through very basic research, you can sort of foresee what what factors may have affected us uh, further down the line. But there was hmm. these people that had these hardliner views and I think, you know, in this whole drumming up of, oh, you're a Ramona and it's like, right, okay. So basically, you, you, you're being like a child. You don't want to hear my argument. Um, you just want to believe in exactly what you believe and you don't want to hear any anything else, basically. Um, and I think it's quite good that these problems are coming up because hopefully these people that voted for it sort of mindlessly and aimlessly are now sat there going, oh, that's funny, isn't it? But then you still get people defending it, don't you? You still get yeah. people defending it. Well, and it what and it's what really I've weird. noticed as, as well is something that <clears throat> seems to be a pivot now. A um, couple of indications in the last co- uh, couple of weeks in the press. I think particularly if you look at um, a newspaper, <clears throat> not that I would ever choose to read it, but it's it's interesting when you see headlines from the Telegraph. Um, Telegraph was uh, yeah, is, is a big Brexit-supporting um, newspaper, uh, one of the big cheerleaders for Brexit. Now, what they seem to be moving towards now is that uh, Brexit's still good, but the way it's been done is wrong. This is what they're trying to pivot to. So they're not they're not they're not saying that Brexit is wrong yet. I say yet, and they may never. What they're actually saying is that you know this is not this is not the right way to do Brexit. They they they've messed it up. You know there was there was a great Brexit. There was actually this this you know this this kind unicorn. of um, you know this unicorn Brexit. It, 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 you know it was possible, but this isn't the way to do it. And this is where they're sort of trying to shift now. So they're still not prepared. And will they ever be? Who knows? I mean, but they're still not prepared to actually say that the you know, the, the the concept of Brexit was wrong. Um, yeah. but, but they're trying to move it towards you know the way things have gone and the the way that the government have approached it um, is the problem, and not Brexit itself. And that's interesting. I think you might see more of the media move move around that. <clears throat> even even when you look at Keir Starmer's, um, uh, I don't. Well, I, I say Keir Starmer. I mean the Labour position i think uh, i think it was in his speech was was to um uh, was was it make bread make brexit work was that the phrase did, did you recall seeing that was it make um, brexit honest, work i think you. it was something like that but it was it was along the line you know it wasn't questioning brexit it was saying we have to make it was basically saying we have to make brexit work um yeah. <laughs> so throw your money I mean, on the fire but they just can't get to that point of actually criticizing the uh, the concept of Brexit yet they're they're still they're still just not you know even Labour don't feel able to do it. Well, it's sort of this eggshell thing, isn't it? It's this it's walking on egg- eggshells. If you say anything negative about Brexit to the morons that voted for Brexit, who most likely are the morons that are going out there voting for Tories in the first place, mm. um, I would say no offence, but absolutely be offended. You are a moron. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, you know, I think it's this walking on eggshells where it's like, well, actually, we won't say anything bad about Brexit because we've got, we got to appease both sides. But, I mean, mm. 
you know, there comes a point where sort of almost appeasing someone. It's it's like sort of like encouraging a child's bad behaviour, isn't it? If you know, if you if they do something bad and you say, uh, I'm not going to say anything and carry mm. on, and they keep doing it. You know, it, that's just basically what it is. It, it, it's sort of this yeah. whole thing of um, we know it's shit, but we won't say it's shit because it, we care about our image more than we do the, the you know the sacrifice that people in this country are making by making this absolutely ludicrous decision. Mm. Um, it, it, it's just one of these things now. I feel where you know it's it's sort of this unspoken thing, and it's this whole bullshit about you know when the media go on about all oh, this woke culture. You know, woman mm. says hot dog is misogynistic or something like that and they put these ridiculous headlines up and it's like no woke 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 culture is is progressive because it's analyzing things that occur in the world or different situations in a way that's very critical i feel and i feel like sometimes like anything like anything it can be too critical where it's a bit like right okay that's a bit in my opinion a bit too far um, but realistically, this what I think now what the media are doing is they're putting a spin on sort of wokeness to be yeah. like, well, um, you know, um, if you if you think Brexit's a bad idea or you know you believe in immigration, that's because you're woke, and mm. you know it's like a weakness. Like how dare you be woke? And it's it's sort of this really ridiculous stance where it's sort of like they're putting any spin on it other than saying, yeah, it was a bad idea, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and I think it's probably because a lot of people had a lot of shit riding on it. I mean, a perfect example actually was um, do you remember a good old uh, what's his name, the bloke who runs uh, Weatherspoons. Yeah, massive, yeah. massive Mr. Brexit supporter. Tim, what's his name? Was his name? Is his name Weatherspoon? No, I don't think it is. No, what's his name? Is it? Tim Martin. That's it. Yeah, Tim Martin. Yeah, yeah. What a sack of shit. <laughs> Tim Martin was basically banging on about for ages about how. Um, if you uh, if you vote Brexit, you know it's a good thing, blah blah, great thing for businesses and all this yeah. stuff. And then he basically pleaded to Boris, "Hey, can we loosen it up a bit? Because I've got no workers, I can pay shit wages." And yeah, he had no beer, didn't he, for clubs. a while? I had no beer. Yeah. Then he now no he's got beer. no workers. <laughs> yeah, and soon I hope he has no money. Oh, um, what a shame, poor, poor yeah. Tim. Yeah. And you know, this, and there's this thing as well. It's you know, when you talk about mishandling of things, I mean, you know, it, it's this whole. It's like this uh, national insurance increase, isn't it? Um, and I think this national because they were they were basically saying for a little while that this national insurance increase will be um, Boris Johnson's poll tax mm. moment, but it's not, is it? Because people go, oh, that's outrageous, and mm. then just carry on. Um, and mm. I think that the problem with that is that you know. It's this. It's almost people find it this absurd thing. I think. I think what it is, and I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like what it is is that this country is very much built up on this self entitlement and this individualism, this this lack of community. And I feel like it's very much like. Um, I think they don't realise that you know a lot of people, who, you know, the working class make up a massive majority in this country, and they definitely have the power to change things, but they choose to sort of accept things the way they are, or yeah. maybe don't understand how they can go about changing it. Um, but you know the fact that people in this country will be imprisoned who are working class for avoiding council tax of like a hundred pounds, but then you've got someone who's earning multi millions pounds a year and he can avoid hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of tax, and yet they push the they push the problem onto you. So you know, mm. like you know, just say being a minimum wage worker, you now have to pay more tax to make up for public services and things like that. When there's a bloke up there that could pay. A little about five percent more tax and make it up for the rest of you, um, and and it's this bizarre stance, isn't it? Where it's almost like people sort of don't realise that 
that is an option and that that should be the option really it's not an option really it should just be the way things are mm. um and i think you know like you know when it comes to these brexit things it's all well and good having these people who have got you know significant amounts of money or older generations especially who you know they've made tenfold on their house and they're sat there saying well you know oh, i don't see what the problem is paying a little bit more and it's like well you can mm. afford to pay a little bit more you know you yeah. can definitely afford to do that and you know these bastards that are basically mortgaging the future um and you know and i think to say that you know i think by leaving the eu i think one of the big things that we've done leaving the eu was that we we almost put full responsibility into responsibility into the british government's hands and we've already seen the effects of what that does you know you've over the tory government in general you've had you know most houses constructed in this country now are made by five big construction companies yeah. Um, who can set the price to whatever they want. And the problem is, is that when you take away that sort of regulation from the EU, that, that sort of oversight, what you then get is an independent country that's very corrupt, that's very um, built on cronyism and, and lets companies build monopolies. Um, and it does all this, and then it means that everyone else has to suffer for it. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just absolutely absurd that in a country as well that you claim is first world, that you've got people just having to you know run to food banks all the time as well yeah and it you know this this country has the wealth to it, you know let's just say in an ideal world yeah we go through we, we well we've gone through we've gone through of brexit and let's just say the government said right let's actually level up this country you know let's make sure that um people are paying their fair share let's make sure that we're helping industries grow without you know penalizing the workers let's mm. make sure that we do this let's make sure we do that we could have been we could have broken away and been the progressive country but what yeah. we're becoming i think is very much where we were at probably like 40 years ago do you know what i mean or pre-eu um this sort of weird mindset where we're all in this together so no matter how shit it gets lads hold on i think that's 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 <clears throat> that's a fair assessment of um you know the way the way it's the way it's been. Um, I think um, in terms of yeah, in, t- in terms of the leveling up agenda. I mean, it's just more more lies, isn't it? As well, when you when you mentioned that. Boris Johnson um, smashing through the ball with his bulldozer, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a load no, of I mean, shit. I mean, the chance the chances of <clears throat> there being any significant um, real leveling up, I think. It, it, it's gone really and um, I don't think it was ever really honest it was just another of these sound bites they love their sound bites don't they don't they I mean they get brexit done obviously and anything anything two or three words um, that's that's what this this government are all about really um, anything beyond that and we know that <clears throat> you know Johnson himself is not a details man he loves the slogans um, yeah and that's, he's a businessman yeah <laughs> and that's uh yeah that's but that's 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 the level you know it's it's very sh- it's so shallow isn't it and and the, the idea of leveling up I, I don't know if there ever was a great deal behind it but i think whatever there was that's that's gone now <clears throat> um and just when you look at um you know recent policies i mean what about the um the the, the cut to universal credit that's coming up which yeah looks like it is going to happen i don't think they're going to u-turn on it they may do maybe we may be wrong maybe by the time this um podcast goes out they will have u-turned but i just can't see it somehow i don't yeah <laughs> from I this don't government either. but but this is but how are you leveling up when you're when you're taking away 20, 20 pounds i mean 20 pounds a week is a huge amount if you are on a low income and of course 
to remember as well a lot of these people are on low incomes they're not they're not people who are necessarily jobless some are um but i mean 20 quid a week it's it's huge and people you know the people and your people you were talking about as well you get this these you know the kind of i'm all i'm all right jack type of people who, yeah. who will happily defend the government's position and say yes yes it was only temporary well it it's not you know it's not about that is it because prior to um you know prior to uh, the the um the emergency increase in universal credit we had years and years of the uh, of of the um of, a, of the, the benefits uh, levels being frozen in this country mm-hmm. um and, and and you know years of austerity and so on um the the levels of benefits are incredibly low um and this was this was you know well overdue this 20 pound increase anyway okay they said it was temporary um for the for the purposes of of um you know dealing with the the pandemic but at this point people have become if it was temporary for a couple of months even then i think realistically once you've given something to some you to, shouldn't uh, take to, it to away. someone it's very very it's still very hard then to say well we're now taking it away um but you've now had people who've, who've been relying on that um for you know a year and a half or whatever it is now um and and to now take it away is just cruel in the extreme um completely unjustified and just saying that it's temporary is not a justification of any kind at all for that. It, it, it's it's horrendous. Um, but this this is a government who just don't care. They just don't care about people who are, um, you know, uh, in in precarious positions in life, uh, who are on low incomes, who uh, who are jobless for no fault of their own, uh, who may be carers. Um, this is hitting all kinds of people. And um, I think that's you know, the thing, and, and, isn't and it? You, but you get this attitude that oh well, they can just go and get a, they can go and get well the the a you can go and get a job. Well, a lot of them are working anyway, or you can go and get a better job. Like it's just you can just do that. And we already yeah. know from the labour shortage that it, it's not simple just to fill these positions. You know, you can't just take anyone and fill a position that's filled by someone who has a particular skill. So it, it's nonsense. And anyway, you know, who's to say that you know there are jobs in the places where these people are. That's another factor, yeah. isn't it? You can't just say, well, there's a million job vacancies, so these people can go and get them. Well, if they're not near them, they can't They can't get those jobs. It's nonsense. And this is the thing as well, isn't it? It's what is £20 to someone that earns hundreds of thousands of pounds a year? I mean, what mm. was that? Do you remember that comment that Boris Johnson made where he said that basically the salary he was on as promised, it wasn't worth it? Oh yeah, or some shit like that. He basically made some comment about how it wasn't enough. He couldn't. Know, he couldn't. Was, yeah, he couldn't afford to do the job for any longer because it. Was, yeah, he, he wasn't earning enough. I think 150k a year plus whatever yeah. other shit he gets Absurd. given for free and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, sponsorships by L'Oreal and all sorts of things. God knows. Um, but, but you know, and but this is the thing, isn't it? I think this is where you would hope that being a service because that's what we are. We're a service nation, aren't we? Mm. We're a service we have no industry we have industry that other countries bring here uh, other businesses bring here we are not a powerhouse of industry we're just sort of like this sort of um we've sort of got that approach aren't we where we're sort of trying to be a tax haven but not trying to be too obvious about it we don't really mm. want to be the swiss bank account but we also do really want to be a swiss bank account <laughs> um 
but you know that and the thing is as well is that this is the opportunity where we talk about sort of you know this this leveling up in the sense of actual leveling up you know when you talk about you know you're talking about there like you know people say i'll go get a better job well at some point as automation um, takes more and more of a hold on industries then your your chances of getting jobs in the industries that you know or well averse in are going to st- dramatically decrease you know, you're getting to the point where people do talk about universal basic income. And it's quite simple, really. If you've got a factory that can run solely on robots, a, a machine that physically has no days off unless it needs a, you know, a bit of maintenance, mm. doesn't have a day off, doesn't need a break, doesn't complain, can work 24 hours a day. Um, until at the point, Rob, when you know maybe a lot past our lifetimes, maybe there's a protest for robots who are saying, we're fed up, we just want to fucking break. Um, mm. but you know, you've got, you've got these sort of, um, jobs where, you know, they're, they're going to very quickly be filled by automation. And when they get filled by automation, you're going to notice that this argument of go get a new job is going to decrease more and more because it's going to have less weight because what can you do? What can you do when, when there's no labor shortage? It's just simply that there's no point of hiring you. You know, if yeah. you've worked retail your whole life, but everyone shops online and you can automate that whole process then what would be the point of hiring you for even, you know, £5 an hour, £2 an hour? There's no point because it's still mm-hmm. it's still cheaper to have a robot to do it or have it automated. <clears throat> um, and, you know, this is where I think that there's, you know, this, this defin- definitely needs to be looked at in the sense of this £20 increase a week. At some point, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, oh, and you probably get it from other people in, in that same scenario, you know, where, where people, it's not just people who've got a lot of money, but people who are comfortable. And they say, oh, well, you know, um, what's 20 pounds a week? It's like nothing, isn't it? It's like, mm. what's that? Like, that's meal deals for the week or whatever. Um, but, you know, when you think about it, there's going to be more and more conversations in the future, not just because of Brexit, not just because of pandemic and things like that, where this is going to have to go up substantially because there will come a point where people cannot be upskilled. You know, not everyone can be a computer programmer, not everyone can be an engineer. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And these are the jobs I feel like that the the more modern digital era jobs will go last, but the standard jobs that we've seen for years will go first. Mm. Um, you know, w- at what point is it going to be that people who, and uh, not to put you on edge, Rob, but what point is it going to be people who work in a warehouse, um, <laughs> you know, are no longer needed because there's a robot that can do it for them. They That's can lift right. any weight. Yeah. They can yeah. they can do whatever. You know, they don't need boots. Nothing. Yeah. Um, and and this is the thing, isn't it? You know. I think Brexit could have been a, a fantastic opportunity, but I think even being in the EU was a fantastic opportunity. I think they talked a lot about bureaucracy, didn't they? Where, you know, it's like, oh, it's just the EU's just swamped with bureaucracy. You know, who voted for the president of the EU anyway and all this sort of stuff? But it's like, we've just made a whole ton of our own bureaucracy, haven't we? Yeah, it's funny that about bureaucracy, isn't it? Because now we're learning the true meaning of bureaucracy now outside of <clears throat> the EU because of the... Um, the, the new regulations, uh, uh, well, it's not regulations, sorry, it's not regulations. It, it is literally red tape that uh, um, businesses, exporting businesses, are having to conform with uh, so much form-filling, so much red tape um, whenever they want to export any products now. And it's not even, you know, we're not even at the point where all of the new um all of the new rules are even being enforced. We've still got, I think, there's certain rules on on uh, on agri products which haven't uh, fully come into effect yet. I think at the moment as well, in terms of customs declarations, uh, businesses don't actually have to uh, file their declaration uh, 
until I think the cutoff is like six months after the point at which they export the goods. So they'd mm-hmm. be giving all, all this huge amount of leeway. And even even now, you know, uh, businesses are, are feeling the strain. So so in terms of talking about bureaucracy, I mean, we, we didn't know the meaning of bureauc- bureaucracy until uh, Brexit kicked in. Uh, in actual fact, what the EU when they talked about bureaucracy, they were talking about regulate a regulatory framework, really. But once everyone knows the rules and everyone follows the common rules, it's very, very simple. And of course, they they remove barriers to uh, exporting to and from the EU. So uh, the EU was was a, in, well in terms of the trading model. I suppose you can talk about the single market rather than the EU as a whole. Um, but but the sing, single market was um, you, you know was was an absolute uh, gift for um, businesses who wanted to uh, export um, because they, they literally had no no barriers whatsoever. As if they're, they're selling to a firm down the road just as easily as they're selling to a firm in in um, in Italy. Um, and, and obviously that's all gone now. So. It's crazy, isn't it, when you yeah. think that that one of the key arguments was that we were going to get rid of all this Brussels bu- bureaucracy. Um, uh, the absolute opposite is the case. Uh, we've actually well, decided was, uh, to leave and and actually take on a huge amount of bureaucracy for our businesses. And that was a lot of the argument as well, though, wasn't it? It was like constant, uh, we're going to get rid of the red tape and mm-hmm. just basically cake it with our Union Jack-covered tape instead. <laughs> and it's, it's it's a bizarre... And I think red, white, and it's blue getting, tape. Yeah, red, white, and blue <laughs> tape, yeah. We're going to get rid of red tape. We're going to cover it in red, white, and blue. Um, <laughs> every every uh, arrival to the airport must sing the national anthem. Um, but, you know, and it, it's one of these things that when is it going to... When are people going to start maybe, you know, realising, oh, do you know what? I saw it sort of makes sense that we can't get these items in or oh, it sort of makes sense that, um, you know, that this has happened because of mm. Brexit, yeah. do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it, and it's like, it's this avoided word, isn't it? I mean, businesses yeah. don't really like talking about it. Um, if businesses talk about it, they basically say, oh, you know, you talk shit. Um, and this is coming mm. from people that don't have a clue about business. This is coming from people that don't have a, a, a single idea other than what they were sold to on the side of a fucking bus sticker. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and it, you know, people, I think a lot of it was, you know, it is what you say it's emotive issues and people, people avoided the facts, you know, the, the, the information is all directly in front of you. Um, and albeit, um, completely, you know, sort of skewed by this right wing press where everything's, mm. <clears throat> everything's, uh, fucking topsy turvy all the time, isn't it? And, oh, it's fine. You know, We've decided yeah. to invade Brussels. That's a great idea, isn't it, everyone? Um, but, you know, like, and all this shit that they, they put up, you know, and it, it's, it does skew people's ideas. And I get it, you know, it's a hard argument. And especially in this digital age where you've got this this uh, information superhighway, as they used to call it, I think, when the internet first came around. Yeah. I mean, it, this information superhighway is going full fucking speed because people now are so torn on everything. You know, there's a, you know, you, if you think people can't even decide what color addresses on the internet, they have an argument about that for weeks. <laughs> that makes headlines. Then how are they going to make a bloody decision about, um, you know, whether this is the right thing to do or not, or, you know, how are they going to make a decision of whether this is a crisis or it isn't. And I think it's, mm. you've just got a lot of factors working against each other and you've got people working against people. And I think a lot of people sort of are quite fed up with I and you know I, I granted I I'm I'm sort of similar now like I I probably do not read the news or look into it as much as I I used to um but you know like obviously I follow the headlines and stuff mm, and I yeah. I sort of can make my own decision but I think 
a lot of people just see a headline and they respond to that headline without doing any any sort of input and it's not even to insult people that do that i think the issue is is that people are so i think detached and and from what what actually happens in politics and i think a lot of it is it it stems down from school doesn't it you know when in school did they say oh hey let's learn about how the political system works and it doesn't. They don't, do they? I mean, if you go to Eton... No, I don't think they ever want uh, you know, people to they learn breed about that in school. They, they, yeah, they, they're very much against that. <laughs> that yeah. would be a disaster and, you know, for, um, they, for uh, you know, the establishment, wouldn't it, really? And they say all this shit about how... Um, uh, for an explicit podcast, boy, I noticed that I, I'm probably the only one who swears, Rob. You need to sort of get a bit more involved. I think um, I used the F word <laughs> earlier, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's all this shit, isn't it, about this, uh, this whole... Um, you know like the you know they say it's about uh being neutral isn't it you don't want to bring politics into school you don't you know you don't want people teaching you know you've got mr jarvis who's extremely right wing and hates immigrants and you've got miss daisy who's very left wing and thinks that we should have a revolution mm. and we can't teach that in school and it's like well yeah but maybe you shouldn't teach them left and right but you should teach them what is left and what is right mm. and you should teach them you know um about how certain the function of government works and how the political system works and not in the sense of well it works in a biased way but you know as the system works you know like oh this is how the electoral system works things and people can get more of an understanding but people don't have an interest in politics and i think this is where you know it all comes down to emotive issues because i think you're in a sort of era now where you don't really have to pay attention you get information whether you want it or not do you know what i mean Mm if you go back to sort of maybe like when my grandparents were younger and, and your grandparents as well, it was very much, you know, if you didn't listen, you didn't know, mm. do you know what I mean? Um, and if you didn't research, you didn't know. Um, mm. But now you just sort of, everything gets given to you in a bite-sized way, but through what I'd say are very just clickbait bullshit headlines, aren't they? And I think this is definitely what drove <laughs> a lot of, I mean, for instance, you talking clickbait. I mean, look at the, the, the absolute bullshit that was printed on the side of these buses and all these Brexit leaflets and, the whole referendum campaign in general was just so unbelievably misinformed. Yeah. Um, and I, those, I those, something that misinformation. I just oh, sorry, thought, I, I, just, sorry, I was just going to, oh, go on, carry on, carry on. I was just going to say very quickly, yeah, that, that misinformation has just become fact, hasn't it? So what mm. was uh, an absolute lie has just become fact to people and they've justified it as that. But go on, Rob. Yeah. Well, it was just on that, actually. Um, it's interesting because Facebook have, you know, come under a huge amount of, scrutiny and criticism um for you know the way that um they became a conduit for a lot of uh, misinformation false news and obviously we talked about that recently i've noticed yeah. uh, uh they've been have introduced a few features one uh, I, I particularly i noticed um was that you now get a warning if you try to share an article on something on facebook and you haven't actually clicked through the link it tells you it tells you um you may that you may not have all the facts um, if you haven't clicked through and read the article, and obviously this is to do with the fact that many articles have, as you say, clickbaity or misleading headlines. It's only a small thing, but they, they obviously are aware of these sort of problems on their networks. And I think that's true of other, probably other social media as well. I don't know so much about others, but Facebook is a, is a classic one for, for, you know, lots of uh, misinformation or bad information getting shared around and it's like a sort of Chinese whisper, isn't it? Once, mm. once something is shared and it, pe- people don't necessarily 
they don't they don't care about the context really. It's just sort of sort of like a a sound a little grab a sound bite, isn't it? Um, uh, the clickbaity headline. Um, but that's I found that no context, just a sort of an interesting development because you know it's hard to say, but when elections come around again, of course the the same thing will happen. You get the same cycle um, of of uh, you know um, these kind of. Uh, uh, this misinformation being shared through through um, um, you know un, un, uh, what is the word but you know the, the kind of the kind of news sources that aren't really news sources um, but it's in terms sort of, of like, actually you know, at least flagging that up to people and saying well look you're sharing something and you haven't actually read the article I mean it seems obvious really that you know you, you wouldn't want to share something unless you'd read it but you, you clearly got that tendency amongst certain people is to just sort of especially if you're in a hard line position and they don't so read the warning things I wouldn't really consider myself I don't know about you know where you what you think of your, yourself in terms of leave and remain but I wouldn't really consider myself a, a, a remainer or hardline remainer or anything like that um, perhaps was a little bit more at one time but I think now it's more a case of, um, you know, Brexit is a mistake, but there's there's no straightforward way of reversing it. Um, but I think yeah. a lot of people are still very entrenched. Um, you can definitely see it from the Brexit side. You can see it. You can see it probably even more so from the hardline Remainer side. That um, they're very very entrenched in the battle of you know 2016. I haven't really got past it. And there's a sort of tendency there, I think, once you, you've got those very, very entrenched positions, is just to share anything that seems to support your point of view. And I, I guess yep. Facebook are just looking to try to make people think twice about, you know, what they're sharing, why they're sharing, and, and if they actually, you know, understand what it is they're sharing. Well, they probably don't even read the warning. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, yep. but at least there, there's something there. It's like a little pause to make you sort of, you know, oh, yeah, have I? I haven't read it. No, you know that sort of thing. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think I, you know, I agree with you. I think I, I neither sit, you know, I, I think the way I look at everything, I, I neither sort of sit, remain, or or leave. I mean, obviously, I, looking back at it now, um, obviously, I've always thought we should remain in the EU. Um, do I? Am I a hardliner in the sense that I will? go out and i will cause anarchy because we must remain no if that's what people voted that's what people vote for and that's fine but what you know my sort of just sort of prospects uh a sort of that I've, i feel outlook um is that i think that i just i just sort of want everyone to work together you know i just think that mm. everywhere should be prosperous i think that there shouldn't be all this sort of um you know this this sort of wealth divide and and shit like that and i think that you know people should be interested in uh, 100% in in sort of how their country functions because it, it's this very weird position i think i've said it before you know you mm. you've got massive populations that are controlled by you know very small governments really mm. um and no and it and it sort of pains me that people seem to be so powerless mm. um and i think it's because there's just this very there's very much this whole um sort of thing of uh, you know look out for yourself you know like you said earlier like i'm all right jack yeah um and it's just very much this this individual sort of stance isn't it where you know you look out for yourself i don't care about the policy as long as it doesn't affect me and i think it's very much it doesn't become a problem until it, it touches you you know this whole thing of you know petrol i think you know you get people going out and panic buying for example and buying petrol and it's not an issue because they can fill up but the day that they can't fill up well that's that's when it's an issue isn't it yeah um and you know it, i think that's that's the main thing i think it's this sort of 
Um, I think a lot of it, yeah, it's, you know, it's very emotive and it makes me consider how the next election is going to go. Is the next election just going to be Brexit all over again? Um, Because that's basically what the last general election was about, wasn't it? You know, it didn't matter what policies you put in your manifesto. Mm. It depended on whether you said you were going to do Brexit or not and where you stood on Brexit. And I think that that's pretty much, I mean, the Tories won with the thinnest manifesto they've ever produced. And I actually... I genuinely, I will safely say that I could not tell you a single policy that they made. No, because total lack of I, po- I look, I looked at the, I looked at the election the same way. It's pretty much who are you voting for? Do you want remain? Do you want to sit on the fence, or do you want to mm. leave? And that's yeah. pretty much what the election was. And and will it be the same this time round? Will it be well, Labour's the party of remainers, or you know, will it be that um, you know? Uh, you know, oh, you vote Lib Dem if you sort of want to be on the fence, or do you keep sticking with the Tories because they're going to keep pushing for your quote-unquote values of yeah. Brexit? You know, they're going to keep driving this idea and this ideology, and it's it's sort of like the bloody Tory Nazi party by this point, isn't it? Mm. Um, you know, some of the policies are just absurd. I think you know there was Pretty Patel, and she was mentioning um, sort of like continuing to use these camps for asylum seekers, and mm. it's just bizarre because you think you're sort of almost segregating these people as if but you know when we were talking about in china for example who apparently are an absolute massive threat um you know when you talk about china and they they were what they were doing to the um, muslims in china which is very much untouched by uh, media isn't it that that whole story mm. um you know that they were putting these uh, muslims in camps and they were segregating them and they were you know sterilizing them apparently and things like this and um but when we put immigrants in camps and we segregate them from our communities, apparently that's not the same. It's not the yeah, same huge, thing. Huge double standards, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. huge double standards. Um, but the media is very complicit with what's going on, aren't they? The, 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 the British mainstream media, for sure, um, as we already said, they, they, it's, the, it's the B word. It can't be mentioned, can it? And, it, and this, like is, this, is, this is the problem. Yeah, it is very much so. Um, and I think th- this, is, this is why... Um, you know, it's sad to say, I think, because I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about climate, but I do feel like the next election, again, will be dominated by Brexit because it's not done. It isn't done, despite what um, Johnson will it ever campaigned be done? on. He, he, you know, campaigned to get Brexit done. It's not done. It's a long way from done. We, we haven't got a satisfactory uh, conclusion to it um it's going to keep on causing more and more problems i mean i just think i think i saw an article a couple of days ago from the institute of directors suggesting that we, we they think we're moving towards a i don't know if it was the iod actually but anyway it was a a you know a sort of business lobby type group suggesting that britain could be heading towards a period of stagflation like the early 70s ironically the time before immediately before we joined the eu so it's like we come full circle but the, the, the problem is this dreadful dreadful um inhumane cruel nasty uh, vicious you know abominable tory government uh, and and johnson it's the worst prime minister absolute you know awful awful prime minister the worst prime minister this country has ever had by a long 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 way um, you know just a weak egotistical self-regarding fool buffoon of a man just and, yeah. and you know he, he, this government and Johnson in particular, they they are the biggest obstacles because there's no way that things are going to get better um, 
you know, in terms of in terms of the issues caused by Brexit, until they are gone, the, all of them, the whole government, um, uh, you know, John Johnson, um, he's never gonna he's never gonna back down on uh, on on the positions um, that he's he's you know he's he's been there leading the charge for. In terms of the, the thing that could make a huge difference, um, you know, to our economy, it would clearly be to you know, reintegrate with the single market. I mean, I'm not talking about rejoining EU, and that's it's not realistic. It's not a realistic prospect. And many people would say, well, it's not realistic to talk about rejoining the single market. Well, it's certainly not. While we've got this Tory government, it's never going to happen. Um, but yeah. even dealing with the problems we have got, you know, it only seems like what they want to do is get into further conflicts with the EU. Um, this business with Article 16 that's still hanging there, um, which is the... Which is the um, uh, the part of the uh, trading uh, was it the no, it was a withdrawal agreement which deals with the Northern Ireland Protocol. So this is still still hanging there, and it's very clear that um, the UK government. I mean, especially now that the uh, prospect of a US trade deal is is basically out the window. They know that now. They heard it a couple of weeks ago, straight from the horse's mouth. They're not going to get that anymore. So in that sense, they don't have to really worry too much about the fact that Biden, Biden's going to lose his shit if uh, if they withdraw um, uh, from the Northern Ireland Protocol. Um, mm. Because if they do that, you know, you, you can't see that the EU will have any other choice but to try to, um, you know, uh, well, who knows what they'll do. Um, you know, but they're, there's good, they're obviously going to insist upon there being a border, and and there's if you're not going to have the border in the Irish Sea, then the only other choice is a border on the land, and that, and you know that is is almost certain to lead to you know unrest, unrest and violence yeah. again in Northern Ireland. It breaches the Good Friday Agreement, so you know God knows, and they that, would that will lead. they would but, spin but, that, but, but the the British government seem happy to to talk about doing this and 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 provoking provoking this to happen and they're just they're just hoping that they'll be able to step back and the eu will take the shit for it i think that's yeah, what exactly. they, they they think will happen um and and it, you know so you can't ever you can't see um this government doing the things that are going to smooth things out all they're interested in is is trying to protect uh their legacy of brexit um insist that you know uh it was it was still the right thing to do and all the rest of it and and um yeah they, they, it's, and it's a it's a it's a situation that gives you no real hope at all does it you're you're 100 percent right about what they do is they will trigger article 16 eu will will say we need to have a border and then they'll spin that and say it's the eu that broke the good friday agreement yeah it's the eu that caused the unrest and it, it, yeah, a hundred percent. You know what? What hope is there? And it, it, you know, you've got you know very correct use of the word egotistic for Boris Johnson because he's just a man that wants to go down in history as getting Brexit done. Mm. And people will will claim that he is a good prime minister solely on the basis that he got Brexit done. Mm. No other policies, no other nothing. Not for who he is as a person. And yeah. I think it's very much he's sort of like. Um, a uh, sort of slightly smarter Donald Trump, isn't he? Um, or at least he sounds smarter than Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah, Donald Trump was absolutely like, he sounded like a fucking geriatric. Um, but, you know, like when you've got, you know, someone like um, Boris Johnson there, he's got the, the posh Eton voice and he sort of almost is quite comforting. But what he's saying is absolutely fucking ludicrous. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, and I think he's just clinging on to that thing. I think he looks at himself as Churchill, like he's the granddaddy. Um, he was the one that, that saw us through the pandemic in the most atrocious way, but claims that it was a great success. He he trudged us through the, the gates of hell to get through Brexit, and he mm. claimed that to also be a great success. And overall, he's just such a fucking waste of space. Like, there's no mm. other way of putting it. Like, if... If Mrs. Johnson could go back, I wish she'd use contraception because it's just <laughs> unbelievable that, that that's what that's what could be produced. And that, but that's what it is, isn't it? You know, you get all these people who are so fucking unbelievably detached from these from Eton and places like that. And and these are the people that get put in the spotlight, the people that don't have a fucking clue about what they're doing. You know, like just very quickly just to touch back on that universal credit thing. Do you remember when it was that Ian Duncan Smith used to be sort of in charge of all that sort of stuff, wasn't it? Mm. And this is a man who's a fully grown adult who lives at home with his dad. Yeah. And he apparently knows, he knows how much people who are, who are poorer than him apparently should get. And, you know, you know, you've got Dominic Raab who said that British people are the most idle workers and things mm. like that. And you think you've got these people that literally smear all over poor people all the time, slander poor people all the time. And they take shit away from them. And poor people go, well, we'll vote for you. Why? Mm. You know, and, and, and about Ian Duncan Smith as well is that I thought, you know, there was very few politicians more odious and, and you know, just plain awful all around than uh, Ian Duncan Smith. Absolutely one of the worst. And yet it sort of puts things in perspective when Ian Duncan Smith is actually, uh, has actually come out and been critical of the government's decision not to um, uh, not to keep the the twenty pounds and or to you know to abandon the policy of cutting the twenty pounds, you know he's he's on that side of the argument. So that just tells you how far we've come, you know how 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 absolutely awful what a pit uh, you know we are in at the moment with this government. You know when you've got someone you know dreadful as Ian Duncan Smith actually actually being on the on the side of keeping this this twenty pounds. Um, yeah, we're, we're in a bad place. It's it's unbelievable, and yeah, it's you turn after you turn, and I think we're finally at a point. I think where you you're going to start seeing the effects. This is the sort of uh, ugly head of Brexit rearing itself, isn't it? And mm. this is coming to the point where soon that's gonna that's gonna just morph into exactly what what was uh, voted for really isn't it and i think mm. that you know you've got the worst government in in hand to to control these issues and you've got just uh, a group of detached people basically who don't have a fucking clue about what's going on who are apparently going to guide us through blindly um when as you say it's all egotistic isn't it so mm. you know how can you get a solution when you've got a group full of narcissists mm. people that think that they're you know they're they're like almost the gods that are pulling all the cords of everything yeah. Um, no, I think we're we're, see, we're seeing the start of, uh, I think what is going to be a very ugly, ugly time for the UK, and I think it's already put a, an, a definite taint on Britain's modern day history. Uh, not that it was any better in the past, of course. You know, all the colonising and enslaving and things like that. That apparently, you know, it's it's no problem now, is it? Mm. Um, but you know, you I think you're starting to see what you know Britain was meant to be this sort of progressive sort of nation or the NHS and things like that. And I think slowly you're going to see some of these things start to be taken away really. And um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a a disgusting taint on a, on the modern day, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Certainly is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's hard to think about 
the next few years and, and think how anything is going to get better really and um, I think the only the only thing that I, I think talking about Johnson and his character is that there I think there's a possibility as things get you know particularly bad there's a good chance that he'll bail because you know he, he I think he is looking at his his legacy there um, as being this sort of Churchillian figure who 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 made Britain great again and took back control and um, there, there will there will come a point when he won't want to be um, involved any further, you know, you want to hand it over to to someone like Michael Gove, um, b- because um, you because of that that threat to his to his his legacy and his and his, his ego just won't be able to take it really. <laughs> Michael Gove, I couldn't think of anything worse. I think mm. if Michael Gove became prime minister, I'd probably have to start the revolution early. Well, start thinking about it because I think the chances of it happening are are well, are definitely in the mix. I'd say are probably quite good, but you know that remains Jesus to be seen. I guess. Well, you heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> Michael Gove becomes prime minister. Send all your death threats to Rob because he jinxed it. Those of us who make these rules got to you stick to them. That's why I've got to resign. I couldn't give a flying flamingo what you're viewing.